State of Digital Publishing is a publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this second season episode, we speak with Martin Splitt, developer relations at Google. He is currently traveling the world teaching practitioners about technical SEO and the search and web ecosystem. Let's begin. Hi, Martin. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing, Vai? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks very much for having me. I know you've been traveling quite a bit recently, educating many SEOs around the world on technical SEO. So I'm sure that's been tiring, but I'm sure it's it's been worthwhile as well. So definitely been worthwhile. I really, really like these in-person interactions because you get so much more feedback and insights into the challenges that people are facing that again helps us create the right kind of documentation, make sure that our tools work the way that they should be working, that we have the tools that people need. So that's really, really helpful. How do you find that in comparison to doing the hangouts, the monthly hangouts that you usually guys run? The monthly hangouts are fantastic as well. However, they are a lot more open and a lot more broad. So um, when I go to conferences, especially when it's uh, conferences where there is a an audience that is more technical, um, then they are more useful for me. The Hangouts in general for our team are amazing and fantastic, and I hope that they bring as much value to the community as they bring to us. In fact, I know that they bring a lot of value to a lot of people, but they are so broad that it's not necessarily technical topics that go in there, and uh, as such as I am focusing on the rendering and indexing and crawling side of things, there's not necessarily as much that I personally can use for the work that I do, uh, so then the, the conferences and the meetups are a little more useful for me per, specifically as they are more focused usually. Yeah, it was, well, it's great that you were on today because that's the reason why I'd like to speak to you because um, publishers themselves are a different beast and mm-hmm. there's definitely questions that publishers and different challenges they're having in render, um, rendering, indexing and crawling. So. Uh, before we jump into the, into the in depth in that conversation and technical SEO, I'd love to just to get you to share a bit about your background. And I know you very recently joined Google, and yeah, I'd love to just you if I can get you to explain your background. Absolutely. So I have been a web developer, actually a software engineer, for the last fifteen years. And I've been working in different industries. So I've been in fintech. I have been doing embedded systems for renewable energy systems. I have been doing yeah, all sorts of stuff. And I've been doing a lot of web development. And I have done web development um, in my own company. So I've been like a freelancer. I have had my own little agency. I have worked for other agencies. I have worked for startups. I have worked for uh, large corporations and enterprises. And as such, I have seen many different faces of the web. So I have been doing like flash stuff. We have been doing custom uh, programming for MySpace profiles, I believe it was. Um, Mm. We have been doing all sorts of website uh, stuff. We have worked with PHP. We have worked with Perl and Python and Adobe Flex and Adobe Air, uh, hybrid web applications on mobile using PhoneGap and all that kind of stuff. So I've seen a lot of different faces of what it is to build for the web. And especially in the agency times, we were also facing, uh, like especially when it was a smaller agency, so my my own company, we had to deal with SEO as well as uh, sometimes helping out with copywriting here and there, as well as doing the technical side of things. 
So I've seen both sides of the trenches. Also for larger companies, I have worked with SEOs and entire like teams um, that were uh, either logged under the engineering side or under the marketing side of things. Yeah, and I've been doing that for the past 15 years. And now I am a developer advocate. So I'm basically working at Google since April last year. And uh, my mission is to bridge that gap between developers and SEOs because I think we can work more efficiently and effectively if we work together rather than SEOs being like, oh, developers, they're so hard to like get them to do anything. And then developers are like, oh, SEOs come to me with this like long list of stuff that I somehow need to work into my already packed schedule. Yeah, so I hope that we can bridge that and make them partners rather than well, maybe not enemies, but definitely we we need to bring them together rather than like sitting in each in each in a corner and being like, oh, I don't know about this that, other person. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, just because to how things were sort of in the past, it was very much one sided. Like you hear what Google says, and then people try to follow it, or just people try to take it as gospel. And now I think your engagement's a bit more sort of holistic and, and trying to synergize it too. Is is much of your, do you still do much uh, development and um, these days as well, or is it mostly just education and speaking? So I do a bunch of development still. So um, on one hand, I, I still have like a bunch of smaller projects or open source projects that I work with. Uh, I do work with the web standards community still. And I also generally like, if there is a bug in one of our tools, I might try to fix it myself. So I am usually uh, also looking at code in terms of how can we make our stuff better. Uh, a lot of it is internal projects. Some of it is external things. Depends. But I still do a lot of development, luckily. <laughs> cool. No, that's, that's, that sounds really awesome. Yeah, I guess let's, let's, look in, let's jump into it. Um, I mean, what does a technical SEO look like these days, um, what's the current state of it? And what do you see as well for publishers? How does that look like as well these days? So in, in terms of the current challenges, it's still a lot of it is the basics, like getting the basics right. And um, that comes from different sources. So like some people are using CMSs where they don't necessarily have the full control over what they are producing and then sometimes it's not that CMSs are making it harder it's just that they are not necessarily exposing uh, as many things um, as you would deal with when you're doing it yourself like meta, it starts with th simple things like meta descriptions titles uh, I'm always mind blown that we have to still talk about these uh, JavaScript yeah. frameworks have clearly contributed to that one as well uh, a bunch of the documentation just be, is like here's some HTML skeleton um, this is fine. We're not going to touch it now. Let's get the content in there. And then they forget about the basic things. So I do still, unfortunately, have to like bring people back up to speed in the basic things as well. A bunch of the challenges are literally just uh, education challenges, as developers especially are in high demand. Uh, a lot of new people come into the industry, and that is great. I'm really, really happy for that. I'm, I'm, I think like more people should be involved in making the digital world that we are living in rather than just consuming it. Um, but that also means that a lot of people with varying degrees of expertise are working on things these days. And sometimes you just have people that have never heard about these things because they are leapfrogging ahead. And that's a good thing, generally speaking. But 
sometimes the basics need to then be retaught. So if I am coming into this world as a Java backend developer who is now building a front-end single-page application, I might not be aware of the SEO concerns uh, at all. Right? So what is very obvious to us is absolutely new to them, and that's okay. It's just challenging to find a messaging where you can address the advanced people as well as the people who are coming in uh, with basic knowledge. And then the next question is, what is basic knowledge? Uh, because for, for me as a developer who has both worked in backend and frontend, it is super clear that I need to make my server configuration work well as in like my server needs to respond timely and properly and some people are just using some external services that are hosting their stuff which is great until you look at it and find out oh well every 10th request gets a 500 something error um, which users normally don't see or they if they see it they just hit refresh but if a crawler sees it then that can mean that i don't know their crawl budget uh, is reduced because we don't know if we just overwhelmed the server Sometimes people are hosting things on platforms that they, they don't really have control over, and then they find out, oh, I, what does that mean? I can't control the robots.txt on this domain. Ha, huh, that's, a, that's a challenge. That's a problem. So it is basically like a lot of people are struggling with all sorts of different problems, and some of them are obvious to some people and not obvious to other people. So it's always a tricky balance to strike when you want to talk about these topics. Uh, in terms of challenges, we just see that a lot of the stuff that is being done in the JavaScript world hasn't been properly like oh, what's happening here. So uh, some people are just struggling with like all the new stuff that comes in with JavaScript um, as in it hasn't really been explored and there's very few people who have taken the time to actually do experiments and actually do read up on what Google and other search engines are saying about it. So like some people just block it off and say like, oh, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Websites with JavaScript will never work in search, uh, search engines. And then you have to also dispute this kind of uncertainty and disinformation, right? So like a bunch of people are struggling with figuring out who to trust, which source to trust. Um, that's an issue, not just with technical SEO, but I think it's just generally SEO. Um, then it then a lot of the challenges depend on the markets. So some markets are struggling with localization because they are multilingual. Um, some countries have two, three, four different languages that they want to cater to. Some people are struggling with globalization, as in like they have multiple sites with on different domains, but they all kind of are the same, but they are not really the same, and they have to figure out how they get their content across and how they prioritize the right. Uh, pages for for their needs and, and make sure that they perform well in search. Then it's a it's a tooling issue. So the the entire process of how a search engine works has become a lot more complex, and it's not trivial to express the actionable feedback to webmasters while also giving you an honest look at what's happening inside the search engine without giving you information that confuses you or alarms you when it's nothing that you have to do or can do. The famous error in mobile-friendly tests is the other error, for instance. That's an interesting challenge because it's a challenge for us as well as for, for SEOs and developers. If you see an other error, that usually means there's something has gone wrong or something has happened on our side that we didn't expect to happen and there's nothing actionable for you, 
to do because it's not your problem. It is something that happened on our side. Um, but it's really hard to express that in a more meaningful way. Because it could be that there was like a timeout somewhere in the indexing stage, which for the actual indexing doesn't matter because we would just retry until we get it through. But yeah. the mobile-friendly test can't just keep retrying things. It has to answer within a reasonable amount of time. So it then goes like, yeah, something didn't deliver me or something didn't give me an answer. So I need to surface that to the webmaster. But if I now say timeout, then the webmaster will be like, what timeout? My, the rendering? My, my backend? some HTTP requests, was it too many HTTP requests? Is this something that I need to fix? And it's not something that they need to fix. It's just something that goes wrong due to the nature of um, indexing being different than a one-off request tool. And that's really, really hard to communicate. And uh, I don't have an answer for that one. I usually, when people ask me about it, I'm like, normally don't worry about another error. If you see that coming up again and again, and you see that we, you have evidence that we are not indexing something that needs to be indexed from your site, then that's something that you probably want to dig into. But yeah, it's that kind of stuff. And generally, it just gets more complicated because more and more people are working on websites these days. It used to be maybe like two, three, four, five, ten people. And now you might have an agency that is doing some specific branding stuff. Uh, and then you have an agency or like a team that does data analysis and then adds some some trackers or some analytics tools to the to the page, and then another yet another team might have a feature where they want to A/B test something, and then they use like an A/B testing service to roll out different versions of it and compare the performance of these different versions. And if then any of these combination of this puzzle, any piece of the puzzle, misbehaves, diagnosing that is can or can be quite challenging. And it's not always um, obvious where the problem comes from. I had a few websites that were like, Google says we have a no index, but we don't have a no index. And then and I'm like, well, have, have a look at the mobile friendly test. And then they sent me a link and I'm like, look, mobile friendly test link that I just saw here on Twitter publicly, that one has a no index in the header. And they're like, what? where does that come from? And I'm like, I don't know. That's for you to find out. Yeah, so those well, are interesting challenges. Interesting. Um, do you know much about how Google Search Console was previously set up with having that Google News tab? Um, I think before, particularly for publishers, they were able to get a lot more granular information on uh, Google News Bot and the call activity from there. Do you know much about that and um, why that was removed? I don't really know much about that, but I can tell you that probably it was removed because the way that it works is that we search is not one team. It's far too large a landscape to be just one team. It's a lot of sub-teams yeah. that are working together. And as such, the Search Console team isn't a huge team either. So it would be impossible for them to maintain all the things that um, all the data sources that they have. Because that would mean that they would have to have people in each of these other teams to track whenever something changes in these sources. So they are relying on the other teams to deliver them the data they need. But sometimes teams just can't do it or can no longer do it because they have other concerns that make them change, I don't know, their infrastructure or the way that they process data. Mm -hmm. And if then they don't have the time or the, the possibility or capacity to provide the data access uh, or the, the data needed for certain tools and search consoles, then we have to deprecate these tools. 
That's probably what happened here. I'm not saying that is what happened here, but that is a definite possibility that that happened here. And how do you, how does the current team, how's uh, the current suite of tools that are built and data that's being provided to search website owners, publishers, how is that prioritized at the moment? Well, I mean, it is a, it is an important tool. So like, it's not that the tool isn't the problem. The problem is the data sources. Yeah. The way that we get the data from the teams to the tool. And that is a, up, is a decision up for every team. Every team has to decide how important uh, the search console is for them. But is there, not, is there a product owner of search console at the moment? Or does each of the sure, data but they sources... have no power over the data sources. Yeah. They have power over search console. Yeah. So they can say, like, we want this tool migrated first, the other tool we migrate second. But if, if a team decides, oh, we have to change something in the way that we, we process our data uh, and we don't have time or capacity to provide an access for data uh, for, for Search Console, then there's not that much they can do about it. Understood. You also, earlier the, in the, the Google I.O. conference, I, I believe you presented at that conference and you were mentioning also about just encouraging website owners to just create a, web, web, a responsive web design and make that the preference moving forward instead of having any other setup, I believe, because there, there are still sites out there that have the M dot and mm -hmm. other domain setups. Um, is that just to make it easier for them, just simply just making it easier for them just to move forward or? Definitely. So like we're, we're seeing multiple things. So one thing is device usage becomes much more fluent uh, as in like, Sometimes you just have like you copy a link somewhere or you bookmark a link. And then if the website isn't configured correctly, then you might see like the M version on the desktop screen. And it's like, what the hell? Um, it makes things so much harder. It makes things harder in terms of like tracking what's going on. It makes things harder in terms of canonicalization. Yeah. Uh, you have to implement redirects correctly. It's just it adds a ton of moving targets for not that much benefit. Right, it is not the easiest way to get things right. It's a very easy way. It's a foot gun. It's a very easy way to shoot yourself in the foot with that kind of setup, especially if you are basically investing time and money into maintaining that setup rather than migrating away from it. So that's why we felt it's important for us to make a clear statement on the fact that these recommendations are basically changing as the time is moving on, as the web goes more and more mobile. Uh, it is a better strategy to invest into a migration from uh, these these old setups to something more responsive um, versus trying to like sink more money into these separate domains and then dealing with all the fallout that comes from it. Just an observation that we made is like, okay, it seems to be the the default option is is not to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's easier these days as well to have a responsive site. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, and I think I've heard one of your talks and, and how you, you're speaking about, and you alluded to it now, the fact that JavaScript is evolving and there's still that perception that people are like, oh, if it's JavaScript, it's going to get blocked and make sure there's block it and everything else like that. Why is that perception still there? And, and can you just maybe elaborate a bit more about how JavaScript is evolving these days from a rendering and indexing point of view as well? So I think 
if we look at the web, the web is transforming more and more from a pure document collection or a pure document platform into a application platform. And that's great. It has pretty much made this this transition mostly already. And then what I'm not saying is I'm not saying that websites are going to go away. Websites in the classical sense of like I go there, I look up information and I click on a link to go somewhere else to do something, they will continue to exist. But mm-hmm. I think this notion of web app and website is blurring more and more. And you can do a lot of stuff with, with JavaScript. So a lot of people are tempted to do it with JavaScript. Even though I would advise against it as like has many interesting reasons for that. Um one of it being that HTML and CSS are usually more resilient to problems rather than uh, JavaScript. Uh, but fundamentally, I think the the belief that JavaScript is the new Flash or is whatever comes from the fact that a lot of people don't want to learn a new thing and they don't necessarily understand why this is so big. Because and JavaScript originally was basically just a scripting addition to the web. And it was used to like add some flair, let's put it that way, onto existing websites. But that's no longer the case. You can actually build websites from the core with JavaScript rather than the other way around where you just sprinkle some JavaScript on top. And if, as long as you just sprinkle JavaScript on top, it usually doesn't matter for SEO purposes. However, as this is changing and more people are building things out with JavaScript, then we have this split where some people are like, oh, no, no, you can't do it. You're going to break the web that way. And I'm like, that depends on if you do it right, then that's not a problem. But if you're doing it wrong, then that will possibly go wrong as well. Like it's a, it's a technology. It's not per se bad or good. It depends on how people are using it that makes the difference. And I agree that if people are using it wrong, then you get heinous results. But that's the that's the same thing with PHP. If you use PHP wrong, then you have a huge problem. So I would not really want to say a JavaScript is great or bad. It is a tool that people can use to build amazing things on the web. And the condemnation, the general condemnation of JavaScript is just wrong. And um, a lot of the examples I see are just people who are not apparently not good at javascript misusing it or using it the wrong way and um i would like people or i would like to invite people to rethink these things not necessarily because i want developers to have more say in this what i want them is to have a reasonable argument to make when to choose what because sometimes choosing javascript is definitely the easier better choice sometimes it is absolutely not if what you're building is a very simple marketing landing page, then why do you use JavaScript to do that? That makes no sense. If what it is is a very simple static page that does not really, like if it's a restaurant page, let's say, that has very limited interaction capabilities, then why would you use JavaScript for that? That makes no sense. Uh, maybe there are reasons, like if it's then, then becoming a delivery thing where you can add things to a, to a basket and then check out and then pay on the website, then that's a different story. Then it, it is more useful to start out with JavaScript and build something robust using a JavaScript framework or JavaScript libraries that you, you know and, and uh, can build stuff with. But I want this discourse to be fact-based, not fear-based. And for many things that I saw, it is fear-based. And people rarely back it up with good examples. I've seen examples. I've seen a lot of bad examples where people are like, yeah, but if you use JavaScript, this happens. And I'm like, yeah, but you could have done this with PHP. 
that's yeah that's true that's, i think that's well and that's why your roles become as crucial as ever just to bridge that gap like you said so because it's even yeah it's a common recurring theme that's happened in the seo industry i've been in it for a while as well and it's a common theme people have their own perceptions and perceptions and they just yeah sometimes say things wrong yeah. so it is what it is um where does progressive web apps sit in that space because like you said with um the web, web becoming more application-based how's that currently sitting in the ecosystem and i know there's some adoption and some seos out there that talk about that as the year of pwas but mm-hmm. how, how um so like the key in progressive web apps is progressive uh it's not you don't have to change everything around to make something a progressive web app if you have already if you already start with a solid setup for your website mm-hmm. then it's relatively easy to to make it into a progressive web app right uh, if i have a website that is fast if i have a website that is uh, responsive if i have a website that is already using https then what i'm missing is a service worker and a manifest file and then my my website can become a progressive web app. So it's not that you lose something by doing it. You don't have to redo your entire website um, in, to make it into a progressive web app. You can you all, normally, if your website is solid and well built, you can enhance your website with these features. With features such as add to home screen, background sync, uh, I don't know, push notifications if you need that. This kind of stuff, and it works offline, and then it's great. But it doesn't make sense for everything, right? If your website is a trading website, then I'm not sure. Like, unless you need it to be appy, then I don't. I'm not sure if if the offline capability is going to bring you much, because people will probably want to see live information online, and if it's offline, then it's useless. I don't know. But for many other things, it is probably useful, and it can also not just make an offline experience. Uh, for your website, but it can also provide you with, depending again on your business case and on your on your strategy, it can provide you with faster user experience as well. If you, let's say, use a cash-first strategy where you load from the cash immediately and then in the background fetch new information or update the cash in the background, then yes, you will not show them the latest news story every moment. Like when I when I load the page the first time, I get news stories that I already had in the cache. Mm-hmm. But then in the background, it reloads. And then you have multiple options. You can show me a pop-up that says, like, hey, there's new stories available. Or hypothetically, you could just reload the page with the new information. Or you just wait until I, re- I reload the next time. And then you show me new information. But my point being then is that you can basically make the web feel more instant, more appy, more fa- faster and better, more user-friendly, if you use that right. For an SEO perspective or for a search perspective, uh, we don't care. It's a website. If it's fast, that's great. If it's not fast, that's not great. The progressive web app thing does not necessarily make a difference for us yet. What is important is that if you have a PWA and it's fast, then that will also be a fast website, which means it will be good um, in terms of of SEO as, as performance is one of the many factors that we are looking at. Yeah, and um, I guess you can't really tap into the uh, mobile app ecosystem with the pwa i'm assuming well i mean it depends on what you mean by that if you want to get in the store then not really yet 
Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if, if we're going to see them in stores at some point, but then again, how many people are down on how many apps get downloaded on the store, right? Like, uh, it's I think less the, and last, less. Yeah. the last statistic that I saw is that people are downloading 0.5 apps per month or something. So unless you are already a very big brand, in which case I'm not sure if you need that additional traffic from the store, then you might have a hard time getting seen in the store. Yeah, that makes sense. We haven't really much spoken about rendering and indexing. Um, there's been some mm -hmm. updates around that as well. So I know there's been the Evergreen for the Chrome mm -hmm. browser, there's been the Evergreen bot. And um, I'd love to I'll just speak about more now because when, when I first started in SEO as well, everyone just spoke about Chrome index rank. But now there's been a lot of more discussion about rendering and, and all that as well. Is it possible just to go yeah. through a bit, a bit of that and also how the current updates with uh, the Evergreen bot is playing into that as well? Sure. What exactly do you want to hear about that? Because yeah. the, the short version of it is it's just we are rendering your websites. <laughs> That's like sums it up pretty much. So like when we when we crawl your page, we fetch the HTML, we might index what we get if we don't get as much, or it, basically it doesn't matter. Like in any case, a new website that we or a new page that we haven't seen before always goes to rendering, which means it's being queued for rendering as the renderer becomes available. What happens is fundamentally we are opening it in a browser, mm -hmm. in a Chromium browser. That's what happens on the server. It's a headless Chromium browser, it, a bunch of modifications, but fundamentally we are opening it in, in, we are opening it in the browser. We're executing all the JavaScript. We fetch all the resources that we need. Uh, once the page is done fetching its content and rendering its content, then we move that back into the pipeline and it gets uh, parsed for links, which are then put in the, in the crawl queue, as well as it goes into indexing again for, well, indexing. So that's fundamentally it. No, I'm I not mean, sure. Do you have questions? Yeah, I, mean, I, or? Yeah, I, mean, I think that helps. Um... And the the point that I also wanted to maybe question want to ask is, I guess um, there's there's been more of an emphasis about the rendering, and that's hence why you're focusing more on that. Is that just again mm -hmm. a knowledge gap that a lot of SEOs and webmasters have that they don't really understand that process? Gap. Definitely a knowledge gap. So the process is not very simple or obvious, um, but luckily none of that is important for you because you don't really have much influence over it. Uh, it happens as far as, as you are concerned with your website, it happens transparently. You don't see it, you don't notice it. It just happens and it's part of the re rendering and indexing queue, uh, crawling, rendering, indexing. Those is, That's the three steps now and then ranking happens from the index. Yeah, it's a, it's a knowledge gap. Uh, definitely the web rendering service has made huge improvements over the last uh, couple of years and speci specifically in the last year, I would say. Uh, which was great to to witness. Uh, the team was doing a fantastic job updating the renderer to the latest version of Chrome, which which also is now a continuous process. So a lot of it was the, the groundwork for being able to keep it evergreen, and now it is evergreen. So we always crawl with, or within a few weeks of a new stable release, uh, we render with the latest Chromium or Chrome. Yeah. Cool, okay. Makes sense. Okay, let's let's move on change. to. That's the biggest change that the renderer is now evergreen and um, supports whatever is in Chrome. Understood. Okay, um, let's move on to um, the series. Uh, you've been publishing a lot of video mm -hmm. series and um, educational series uh, as well. Um, it would be great just to get 
um, some key TLDRs, like just uh, summaries of some of the misbusting that you've done, because you've spoken with quite a few people either within Google and or outside that mm-hmm. you've been doing some mis- myth busting. So what are some of the myth mm-hmm. busting you've uncovered? So for for the first season of myth busting that we did, um, we wanted to see what are things that developers have in mind. And that was quite interesting uh, for us because it, it is like, and the SEO community responded in a very interesting way as well. They're like, these are not myths. And I'm like, well, this is literally it's not that we came up with this. It's the questions that people came with to us. Like yeah. we didn't make up these questions. I, I basically just invited a bunch of people who happened to be uh, in the same location at the time when we were uh, planning to shoot this video series. So we were like, hey, I think we should not just have me sit there and like talk about things that we heard. We should get real people from out there, from the community who would be interested in in asking me a few questions. And then we got them, and then they asked me questions. And that's what happened. Um, for the first season, it was mostly developers, uh, except for Jamie, I believe, who who is an SEO. And we talked about all sorts of different things. Like someone, someone, as I said, like people have very, very different levels of knowledge and very different levels of exposure to SEO, especially when they come from the developer um, side of things. I had fantastic, experienced, great developers be very honest in front of, of of a camera, which is amazing. And I'm really, really grateful that these people trusted me enough to do that, to make themselves vulnerable. Nice. And um, I'm really, really, really grateful for that. And like one person, uh, a good friend of mine as well, actually just went like, okay, here's the thing. I, I know it's going to sound dumb, but I really want to ask this question of like, it's it's basic stuff, but I I don't know really what SEO does like why would i need one and i'm like that's a let's let's talk about it and then we talked about like what do i what do i what does the seo do how do i get like where i need to be what what is it about and then we talked about it and then the next person was like yeah so googlebot is basically just making an http request right and then you put whatever you find in the index and i'm like wow it's a little more complicated than that let's talk about it in front of the camera so we did then we talked about javascript and seo and if it's a good thing or a bad thing, we had that conversation as well. Uh, someone else asked, so the structured data stuff, years ago I had to add microdata to the website. Is that still a thing? And then we talked about that. And no, microdata itself, is, I mean, you can still use it, but we recommend using JSON-LD. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that existed. Like, yeah, it makes things so much easier. And there's this testing tool that you can now use rather than just wait a few days and see if it shows up or not. So um, yeah, that that was uh, quite interesting, and uh, a lot of people are really happy about the series. A lot of people hated it with passion um, because they're like, "It's not a myth. This is the obvious stuff." And I'm like, "Look, this is obvious for you, and that's great." But this was not obvious for the person asking me that question. I don't know if if people thought that I made up these scripts or something, or that we wrote them or something. Um, the only scripts we had is I asked people to come with a list of questions they wanted to ask me uh, and, and send them to me like a day ahead or two days ahead so that I could prepare for these questions. And that was it. We had an honest conversation in front of the camera. And um, yeah, I don't know. Some people like it. Some people don't. We're actually going to record a second season uh, in November with SEOs. So I'm looking forward to see what they come up with because it's the same format. I asked them, like, what's what's the thing that you want to discuss? And uh, I'm really looking forward to see what people are coming up with and what, I, what they are suggesting. 
and yeah, we'll see how that goes. Was there um, anything that surprised you in terms of the questions? I know you you went through some of them now. Was there any that surprised you in particular, or the Googlebot question surprised me because we thought we have pretty good documentation there, and um, turns out that not many people know about this documentation. So that was a bit of a surprise. So I guess that's gonna lead. Like I guess the takeaway from that was they can have this access video to just to find out where that resource comes from. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and and also that we just need to be more vocal about our documentation efforts and and uh, find out why people are not seeing what we are putting out there. Why is it a is it a I don't care situation? Is it a I don't even know where to start situation? And that led to the developers guides, uh, like getting started guide for search for developers, and that that has been really well received by the developer community. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and you guys and even John as well, starting the video series again, I think traditionally that was how a lot of those with Matt Cutts, how, how he's mm-hmm. started that. I think a lot of people were naturally used to that as well. So it might be just the fact that, that as the team is expanding more, they don't know where to get yeah. that information. But anyways, yeah. um, I know you've been to a lot of conference um, meetups and conferences and he's speaking with a lot of SEOs as well. With upcoming MythBust uh, season that you're going to uh-huh, be recording, right. do you think a lot of those questions that you're getting from the uh, meetups is going to be applicable to the upcoming season? And what are you looking for in particular? I really, I really don't know. I'm, I'm just, I, I'll be there and answer the questions that I get uh, in these specific interviews. But the the questions in from meetups and conferences are wildly different depending on where I go. That's just a very interesting observation that I have made uh, going across different continents and meeting different communities and people um, that it's like very, very different questions that I get. And that's really interesting. And, and it's, it spans from like some, some communities ask me like, oh, I have my website was hacked. Uh, what do I do? Or I got this, this penalty. Why did that happen? I don't understand what's going on. Or... I don't know, my website isn't showing up. How how do I deal with that? Like, why is it not showing up in search? And then in other markets, it's more like, so I have these 25 different languages. How do I deal with that? And then the next one is like, I have adult content. I don't know. I don't know how to make that. Like, I, I just don't know. Is that okay? Is that a problem? Next people are asking me, or like, a different market is more about e-commerce shops and and uh, community stuff. And it's it's really interesting to see the wild variety of stuff that, that people come up with. And I'm looking forward to see what the SEO community comes up with for my SEO myth busting recording. I'll be watching as well for sure. Um, <laughs> Martin, so some, in terms of uh, tools and I know we've gone through search console and a few other ones. Is there any other considerations People should be uh, SEOs and wherever they might be working as a publisher or as an individual. Are there any tools that you, sh- you suggest to them that they need to con- consistently use as part of the toolkit? And what are those tools besides Search Console you suggest? I think so. Search Console is definitely like the main one. Um, mobile friendly test is really good for, for some quick iterations and especially if you have like staging sites and stuff because it shows you what we are rendering rather than showing you. Uh, what indexing would do because that's these two things are not necessarily the same things 
And the rich results test is really helpful if you're using with uh, working with structured data. Um, you can do a lot of stuff uh, if you look into analytics and reporting. Then you can do a lot of stuff with Data Studio. As far as I'm aware, I haven't really used that one myself, but I know that it's quite powerful for this. Um, yeah, and those are like the more important tools, I would say. If they talk to developers, they can also have a look at Lighthouse, even though. Lighthouse is basically a very, very, very rough smoke test when it comes to SEO because we try to keep it vendor agnostic. So we don't want to cram Google search specific things into it, at least not yet. Um, I'm not sure if this ever will change, but right now it's like, no, we are trying to be vendor agnostic. So we are only giving very broad guidance. But um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a tool that developers will probably be more familiar with. Um, so looking at what that says is definitely not. Not a bad idea. Also, Lighthouse is a fantastic performance testing tool. Yeah, those are those are great tools to get a lot of insights. Is there any secret tools that you use or any favorite tools that you have, um, just in general? No, not not really. Not really. Okay. Fair enough. Cool. Um, just looking forward, moving forward. Uh, what's some of the plans ahead for the Google Webmaster team, and um, I guess what are your plans as well, moving forward? So I'll continue to work on bringing developers and SEOs closer together and making sure that they talk to each other and understand what each other is saying. Um, we also work on improving the web rendering service. We are looking into more data and statistics for um, the queue performance, as in like a few SEOs keep telling us like, oh, yeah, but this website took like a month to render. And I'm like, are you sure about that? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, how do you know? And they're like, yeah, because that's how long it took us to get the, the data in. And I'm like, is it, but was it crawled in between? And then they don't know. And I'm like, okay, yeah, well then, hmm. Um, so we want to know how the, the queue performance actually looks like. So from what I've seen so far, but we haven't done conclusive research yet, most websites get rendered really quickly. So, and when I say really quickly, I talk minutes, maximum hours. How does it, like, where does this discrepancy come from that some SEOs are convinced it takes months when that's clearly not the case? So I, I need to work that out. Uh, I don't know the answer to that one. Um, we're working on figuring that one out. Um, I'm also continuing to work with, like, figuring out how new features that are coming to the web platform are going to work in terms of SEO. How, how can we design them in a way that it doesn't uh, hurt SEO? Like, I'm really, really happy and proud how the native lazy loading was implemented because it's such a nice and progressive way of implementing it. It doesn't hurt you if you if you don't have it. It doesn't hurt you if you have it and we don't support it. And now that we support it, um, it just gives you a benefit. Like it's a really nice way of, of making things happen. And I hope that future technologies and future additions to the web platform can also work in that way where their presence does not break systems that don't support it while bringing a clear benefit to the users and systems where it is supported. So, yeah, um, that's definitely a thing that we're going to do. As the team, um, we are trying to, to continue our broad outreach uh, globally. Uh, we try to be as approachable as possible. Uh, we try to figure out a way to better scale ourselves and make sure that we can reach as many people as possible. I definitely want to do more meetups. Meetups are always tricky because they are like too, as people can or cannot show up, it's unclear how many people you will actually reach there. 
So what I do is I basically try to bunch them up uh, together with conferences or if I'm in town for some other reason. So for instance, in January, we had a Google internal uh, event where we went to New York. Yeah. And then as we were in New York, we did a meetup there as well. Um, because why not? If we are all in, in the same place anyways, then we might as well do a meetup where you can interact with the team. And I, I did that as well. So like whenever I was at a conference, even when I was at a wedding of a friend, I just offered local communities. Uh, if they want to hang out and have a meetup, then we did a meetup. I'm really, really open for that kind of stuff um, because I really like the interactions that happen there and the the feedback that I get. As in like, it can be positive feedback. It can be like, oh yeah, this video series helped me. This document helped me. Or like, oh, there's nothing that helps me figure this one out. Or you're not telling us about this thing in the docs. And then I'm like, okay, that's a very interesting, very good point. Maybe we need to do that. And so yeah, I'm I'm trying to like, like scale that up and, and do that more often uh, throughout the next year, probably. Uh, you're going to beat any. You're going to yeah. beat any records. This year seems like a record year for you. That's yeah. definitely a record, and I'm trying to beat the record in being more at home. That's the record next year that I try to beat. I don't want to be traveling but, as much, but yeah. I still want to be giving people the opportunity to like reach out to us, which is why we are running the Webmaster Conference events. Um, next year, we are trying to scale them up to other, other countries. Uh, I probably won't be there, but a lot of other Googlers will be there. A lot of other fantastic people from the community will be there. And um, yeah, so we try to... I think like, that's a good initiative. Yeah, I think that's, that's, yeah. that's an awesome initiative because even like WordPress, they do that. And it makes sense yeah. that we such a webmaster team does it as well, yeah. Uh, just on a, on a final note, Martin, uh, is there any uh, final tips or advice you think we haven't covered that you'd like to just let our audience know about, or is it just pretty much like you said, make sure you cover the basics. So like my most important advice is probably always think from your customers, from your users, from the people who use your website. That's, that's where you should start looking. It doesn't matter how great your content is and how, how fantastically well designed your software is that runs the website. If it's really, really slow on my phone, I will not enjoy it. Uh, if it breaks, if it doesn't display things properly, it will not be good. But on the other, on the flip side, if your content is not good, then none of the best responsive, most beautiful responsive design that loads within a second on my phone will not save you either. It's like think from the user's perspective. The user comes to your or users are coming to your website to solve and to resolve a need, whatever that is to find something about your products, to buy something from you, to learn something from you, whatever it is, uh, figure out what that is, make that good, and then work from there. Do not get hung up on scores or tools or whatever. Make sure that you serve your users. And with that, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it, Martin. Thank you very much for having me again. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing Podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.